A couple of Thursday Kyle Larson tweets set off some interesting discussions yesterday surrounding dirt race economics, and we'll go full ham on that today. Plus Thursday uh, results and what to watch this weekend. Let's go. It's Friday, June 23rd. I'm Justin Fiedler. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. If you didn't see it yesterday, Kyle Larson had a couple of pretty good tweets regarding his position in the sport and money, and it kicked off some interesting threads about the economics of dirt racing. The funniest of the two Larson tweets was him quote-tweeting a Wikipedia post about sprint car earnings per raise. He talked about him and Paul Silva handing out money to other teams to please the angry fans, used a gif of Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber, always a fan of spicy race car drivers. The other tweet was in response to a reply where a fan said that Larson should share his winnings with the other drivers who are racing for a living since it was uh, since it was money he didn't necessarily need. Young Money pointed out that he too is a driver who races for a living and he's obviously not wrong. Things got really interesting though when Kevin Swindell jumped in to respond and that set off a number of other replies that gave us some insight into a lot of the things that we've talked about on this show in the past. Towards the back half of 2022, I did several daily shows where we talked about the money around dirt racing, including what it costs a top outlaw team to compete. We got into sprint car purses and how they've changed in recent years and what full-time teams are guaranteed in terms of bonus money and other payouts when they run a series. And that set off uh, other conversation elsewhere. led to Brad Sweet coming on to talk to me on the show. David Gravel commented about all of this on his live streams. I got bagged on a little bit. Uh, I did the best I could with the information available to put together estimates on all the money and no doubt got some stuff incorrect. But I guarantee people learned more about the cost of the sport over those several videos and weeks than they ever had previously. Swindell gave us a breakdown of a 10,000 to win purse and how when his team wins, the best he can really do is break even as a team owner. Of the $10,000, he's going to pay half to the driver and spend the rest on tires, equipment, maintenance, travel, passes, and other costs to run his business, like uh, shop rent and employee salaries. He says to make things viable for team owners, either purses have to go up a lot or there needs to be a lot more sponsorship coming in. Swindell went on to say that at the very bare minimum, if you were running your race car out of the track, it probably uh, costs $1,500 to run any decent 410 race. All of that's great information, and it turned into even more responses from other guys. Jamie Ball said after pit passes, methanol, two rear tires, and engine maintenance costs him a little more than $1,700 a week to uh, run a 360 sprint car at Knoxville, where it pays $2,000 to win. Zach Hampton has no full-time crew members. He figures it costs him about $3,000 to unload his 410 sprint car and race. Uh, Just a side note, Hampton has turned into a really great Twitter follow if you uh, don't know about him. He shared some cool videos, a lot of good insight uh, kind of in recent weeks and months. Go search him out uh, if you want to check that out. And Mike McGee, part of the 11 car that Parker Price Miller is back in this week at Husits and that has run with the All-Stars full-time, says they figure it costs them about $6,500 a night to race. So back to Kevin Swindell's original numbers. You can see pretty quickly how living on 10000 to win, 1000 to start purses is tough. The things we don't understand in this picture, and I haven't seen anyone share a ton of detail on, is sponsorship dollars and merch. And I'm honestly not sure you're going to see a lot of uh, transparency on this stuff. If you're a top guy, merch can be a significant source of income, but it doesn't work for everyone. Buying and storing and shipping and selling merch is expensive, and the margins are razor thin, even if you're somehow able to move a decent amount of volume. 
when we talk about guys at the top, drivers like uh, Rico or Larson, maybe Bloomquist, Davenport on the late model side, all of those guys are going to do well, no doubt about it. But teams lower down the order, merch is a risk. Uh, and just, you know, kind of for some context here, some transparency from my side. For Dirt Tracker, I started doing some small stuff last year with merch for the first time and have added along the way. We've done small runs of hats and shirts and stickers. To date, I've brought in maybe $6,500 or $7,000 from selling that merch, which is great. But after you figure in sales tax, shipping, shipping supplies, you know, you got to boxes and tape, a scale, you know, a label printer, admin costs like the Shopify fees, credit card stuff, and then the actual cost of getting the merch made, I've really netted out just a few hundred dollars out of that $6,500 or $7,000. I obviously only sell online when selling at the track seems like it's probably a much better driver. Fans are primed for it when they go to a race. But merch trailers are expensive and not everyone has the luxury of getting one or do they have the privilege of parking one in a midway at every show? You know, we talk about, you know, outlaw full-timers, all-stars, you know, the opportunities to park your merch at Knoxville or Eldora. And on the sponsorship side, a full-time World of Outlaws team might be able to get half a million or more uh, for a season for a primary deal on a top car. That's based on what I've heard. But it can fall off significantly after that. There are a number of teams around the sport that don't have a ton of sponsors. And big-time corporate deals are few and far between. Brady Bacon and Hoffman Racing shared a marketing deck several months ago where they were asking for $95,000 for a full-season primary that included branding on the arm guard and hood side. Or you can do a single race for $2,500. That's the most concrete down-on-paper example I've seen of sponsorship dollars being sought pretty much anywhere in dirt racing. I think in all of this, there are plenty of criticisms to launch at all parties, but if there were a magic bullet to fix this money stuff, someone would have used it. Racers are obviously their own worst enemies and will always spend every available dollar to go faster and to win. And speed is expensive, we know that, and it's not going to get any cheaper. And it would be nice if series and tracks had better payouts, but I think most are probably doing about the absolute best they can. And I promise you, nobody is getting rich around the sport, even Brian Carter, contrary to popular belief. The streaming dollars have certainly helped, but the fan base can only support so much, and that ground is constantly shifting and changing as we've seen. I don't know what the answers are, but I do appreciate the transparency from everyone that's jumped into these Twitter threads here in the last 24 hours. Uh, one other tweet I'll point you to, I'm not going to run the video because of the language in it, but if you want an insight today into the intensity of racing, there's a video floating around of a verbal exchange between Brad Sweet and Tim Kading from Wednesday at Husets during a red flag. I'll put the link to the tweet below in the video description. Uh, make sure to watch that one away from the kiddos. Like I said, some choice words on that one. Uh, before we move on, I'm in the process of jumpstarting a weekly email newsletter for my Dirt Tracker audience, and I'm looking for contributors. I'd very much like to use it to spotlight other creators, other voices, other writers. So if you're interested in participating and maybe pitching some story ideas, Shoot me a DM or an email. I know there are a bunch of media folks who tune into this show. And I'm not looking for race recaps or anything time sensitive, but I you know, would much, like, much rather have features, cool interviews, other creative stuff sent my way. I've already had some really fun conversations with some writers and would like to maybe get this launched as soon as next week. So let me know if that's something you would like to participate in. All right, that money discussion turned into a lot more words than I thought it would, but I do want to talk about some racing from last night and some stuff coming up before we shut it down for the week. Last night at Houston's, we did get big improvements from the guys that struggled on Wednesday night, just kind of like I talked about yesterday. Uh, the biggest swing was from James McFadden. He was 18th in the B-Main the night before, but led the final 18 laps on Thursday and scored the $20,000 win. 
He about threw it away on the final lap, jumping the cushion, but he made the Roth 83 really wide down the backstretch, got the elbows out, kept David Gravel behind him at the checker. It was actually Gravel's fourth straight second place finish in outlaw competition, and he is high point man after two nights. But Ecofoid ended up third after sitting on the pole and leading the first 17 laps. That made it uh, two Roth cars in the top three on the night. All the kind of top guys, top names made the night's feature unlike the night before, but several, uh, several will still have work to do tonight to try and improve their standing for Saturday. Kyle Larson wasn't nearly as strong on Thursday as he was on Wednesday. He had a late spin in the feature, ended up 22nd after getting caught in the work area. He won't be racing tonight as he's headed to Nashville for a NASCAR stuff. He will be back to Houston on Saturday, though. Tonight's program is the same as the previous two. Things uh, get really serious on Saturday when it's $250,000 to win. At Lernerville last night, the first of two Firecracker prelim nights was eventually postponed because of rain. They are running the Thursday features this afternoon. Kind of, I think right as I'm recording this, they should about be on the track. Um, and they're going to go right into the Friday program. Jonathan Davenport, Mason Ziegler, Brandon Overton, Tim McCready, Cody Overton, and Hudson O'Neill were last night's sick heat race winners. So we still have four uh, 5,000 to win prelim features coming up for Saturday's 50,000 to win Firecracker 100. Other winners last night included Corey Day at Skagit. He got into a fun battle with Tanner Holmes and then held off Shane Gullibick and Zeb Wise late in that one to score the Dirt Cup prelim win. They get the same setup for tonight and then $62,000 on the line on Saturday. Jeffrey Newell got his first career ASCS National Tour win at Lawton. Uh, he led Green to Checkered and topped Matt Covington and Howard Moore in that one. ASCS is off tonight. They'll ba uh, be back racing tomorrow night at Caney Valley. And at Charleston, an early incident with Thomas Meserol could not keep Cannon McIntosh down. He drove back through the field, won the opening night of Power Eye Illinois Midget Week. Midget Week is at Jacksonville tonight, Macon on Saturday, and Lincoln on Sunday. Other racing to check out this weekend includes the World of Outlaws late models on a Midwest swing. Points later, Chris Madden leads the series into stops at 81 Speedway. That's tonight and tomorrow. And then they go to Off-Road Speedway on Sunday. Brian Shirley is the most recent outlaw winner, and he's coming in hot off of a week one summer national championship. And we've currently got a three-way tie for second in the outlaw standings between Kyle Bronson, Nick Hoffman, and Bobby Pierce. Summer Nationals are back at it tonight at Brownstown. They got Peavley and Lincoln coming up this weekend as well. Billy Moyer Jr., Ashton Winger have wins this week. Jason Fager is currently the week two points leader. USAC Sprint Cars have a trip to Wisconsin uh, on tap. Uh, Wilmot on Saturday, Angel Park on Sunday. A uh, fantastic Eastern Storm trip has pushed Emerson Axum into the points lead over Jake Swanson and Kyle Cummins. And finally, PA Speed Week was supposed to start tonight at Williams Grove, but rain has ruined the opener. They'll try again tomorrow night at Lincoln with BAPS on tap for Sunday. Uh, a lot of racing hopefully coming up this week for the Pennsylvania guys uh, across all of those key Pennsylvania racetracks, uh, as long as the uh, weather cooperates. That's it for the daily this week. Make sure to check out the streaming schedule this weekend over at dirttracker.com. Hope you guys have a good weekend out there. We'll see you right back here on Monday.